Amen. Thank you. Praise God. It is always good to be here. I noticed the Super Bowl party is for people ages 18 to 30. <laughs> Missed it by that much. Uh, anyway, uh, I know Rick and uh, Joanna are in South Africa. Uh, he's never here when I preach. And he's going further and further away. <laughs> but uh, I had the blessing of being in South Africa uh, a number of years ago with Wendell Parr and his wife Linda, and we were ministering in the school there for a week. And on the very tip of the tip of the tip of South Africa, we were in a house there. Uh, really cool time, had a good time. So I know Rick's having a good time. But 16 and a half hours from Johannesburg to Atlanta, sort of ended my international travel. <laughs> uh, I thought, okay, I don't need to do this anymore. So, but he's young, and uh, it's probably still fun for them. But traveling from my house to here, that's about, that's, that's good. Praise God. So anyway, I was thinking this morning that uh, uh, this Tuesday is Valentine's Day. Is that right? Yeah. And Betty Kay and I have been married She's here in the front. We're, she's been, been married 45 years in this past January. Um, it's uh, getting serious. Uh, but uh, our first date was on Valentine's Day. We were in Bible College, Christ for the Nations in Dallas, and they had a Valentine's Day banquet. And so that was, I got up enough courage to ask my roommate to ask her roommate to ask her. <laughs> If, if I asked her, would she say yes? And so she said, told her roommate who told my roommate who told me. And so I, I asked her, and she said yes. And so we're at this Valentine banquet, and there's entertainment and, and worship and what have you, and this is my first date with her. You know, and she looks awesome, and I look awesome. And so I... Uh, we have, they have a, some singers on stage, and they say, we're going to do this chorus, this chorus from the 70s, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you, yes, I do. Just a simple chorus. So I said, take the hands of the person you're with, and look in their eyes, and sing, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you. Okay. And then they said, now change it to their name. And so I'm singing, Betty Kay, I love you. Betty Kay, I love you. And she's singing to me, Barry, I love you. Barry. By the end of the song, we were committed. Uh, uh, power of words. Uh, so 11 months later, we got married. And uh, anyway, we're enjoying life. God is so good. Praise God. I, uh, I'm thrilled to be here. This is always fun to come and be with you all and had, had a good time in the first service and uh, looking forward to the Lord speaking to us in this service. Amen. Amen. I think he can do it twice. Okay. <laughs> the question is, can I? But, uh, I want to I minister to you on the subject of freedom. And this is something the Lord, I like to share things that God is doing in my life. And this has been something of a two-year thing for me, having gone through, and I, I don't know if I'll mention this later or not, but uh, I went through a healing journey where it was life and death, and 
from that journey, I, I have, I feel like I have a second life. How many of you played a video game where your character dies or whatever, but you had enough points to get a new character, a new life? I had enough points. And so, <laughs> not that it's on a point basis, but I, I feel like I'm living a, a new life, a bonus life. And in this bonus life, I just really want everything that God has for me, more so than I thought I did before. I mean, things are just different to me now. I just have a different perspective, a different outlook. And one of the things that God has been speaking to me is about freedom. And so I've been on something of a two-year journey here since I was cleared from cancer, praise God. Uh, I've been on a two-year journey. And that journey, as I look back on it now, has been what I'm going to talk about with you this morning. I want to talk about freedom because I feel like I am getting free. I feel like I'm free, but I realize I'm still getting free. And the verse I want to start with, with you is John 8.36. John 8.36. And Jesus says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And I thought, okay, he wasn't just talking to hear himself talk. Something is being communicated here. The implication being we are not free And there may be ways you think you can get free on a natural human level, but there is a deeper freedom. There is a spiritual freedom. And if the Son, if I, Jesus, is speaking, make you free, you'll be free. You'll be free. And I thought, well, that sounds like a deal. I think I want that. How many of you have seen kids? When when my son Daniel and his uh, wife Ashley were married in the banquet hall, it was uh, before the auditorium was finished, and it was the first wedding I held in the banquet hall. So we had it set up, and it, we didn't take up that much space. The banquet hall is a pretty big place when it's empty. And when you have just you know, a few chairs in front of the fireplace and all, uh, there was still a lot of room. And so my, my daughter's kids were there. Have, uh, I don't know if she had two at the time or three. Uh, two at the time. And so they walk into this virtually empty banquet hall, carpeted and all. What do kids do when they find a <laughs> giant space? They start running and laughing and squealing and just running. Why? Because they're free. In other words, they recognize the freedom versus at home, rooms, playpens, you know. Now, Daniel has three kids. This has been some time ago. And his littlest one is, you have, they have a picture of him in the playpen standing up looking at the two older ones out in the backyard. They're free. He's not. Free, it's fun to see kids when they, when they feel free and they just run and just carry on and all this. We used to go to a park in, in Santiago, Chile, uh, a big park. It was up a little bit in a, in a canyon. And uh, we had a dog, a little poodle. And so we took the poodle, the little dog along and she would, we'd put her out in this, it was just hundreds of yards of just grass. She would run. I never thought she could run that far or that fast. She just took off. And then she'd run back toward us, and she'd be going so fast, she'd, do, you know, <laughs> the rear end got in front of the front end. And, and, uh, but she was free. And I thought, kids see it. Dogs see it. What about us? What, what, how should we act if we are free indeed? What would it be like to live free? 
Now for us, for Betty Kay and I, it's going to the beach and seeing the ocean, the vastness of the ocean. I'm not going to go out in it, <laughs> but I can see it and appreciate it. Yeah, there's sharks out there. And uh, the beach and all that. And then we're, we eat out and we just vacation gets pretty close to being free. If it's, a, if it's a good place and you're enjoying yourself. Freedom is really precious. And we can think of it on different levels, and I'm going to go through some with you, but when Jesus says, if, if I make you free, you shall be free indeed, what image does that create for you? What does that do for you, and how unfree are you, perhaps? Are you enjoying life? Are you enjoying what, what the freedom is that Jesus has, has paid for us to have? And so this has been my journey for the last couple of years uh, with my bonus life. <laughs> and I say that, that's true. Uh, I was told I was going to die. And so I feel like I have a bonus life, and all of a sudden I just see everything differently. And I have chosen to be thankful for everything. And I tell the students this, I have a new definition of a good day. How do you know if it's a good day? Number one, you wake up. <laughs> Number two, you have God living inside of you. That's all you need. You're having a good day. Now, you may not think you're having a good day, but you've chosen to not have a good day. All right? You've chosen to not be free. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to choose to be free. Every day, every day is going to be a blessed day. Every day is going to be a good day. I'm going to enjoy what God has given me. And so that's what I want to talk about with you. It says in Luke 4.18, Luke 4.18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now, by the time we're finished this morning, there may be some of you that are realizing, eh, I'm not totally free. And that's a good thing because you can't get free if you don't know you aren't free. And so we want to recognize these areas. It says, in recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. There are so many Christians that are oppressed. And they're oppressed with different things. And we'll, we'll look at a few as we go. But we're not supposed to be oppressed. He came to set us free. He came to give us liberty from oppression. And the world is all about oppressing. The enemy comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the things he's trying to steal is your freedom, your joy of life. Jesus says, I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. This should be a room full of squealing, laughing, running people. Amen? Praise God. Are you free enough? We'll find I know you are. So, Christine, I'll, I'll use you as an example. Okay. All right. Praise God. When I was, uh, this is about six or eight months before I was diagnosed and told to get my affairs in order, I had been spending time studying. I've told you, some of you have heard this story, but I was spending time studying heaven and what happens in eternal life and what, you know, where you go and all of this. And I was just meditating on these kinds of verses and just really wanting to get into that. And one night I was watching an old TV show from the 80s, and in the TV show, the, uh, the character, the main actor, dies, but he doesn't know he's dead. He just all of a sudden finds himself on this lush tropical beach, and he's just happy-go-lucky walking, you know, 
and there's absolutely no care. There's total peace. He's just, you can just see it in his face, but he's just blessed. And I've gone back and watched that show later, and it doesn't have the same impact because God spoke to me in that. And when God spoke to me, what I saw was absolute peace, absolute joy, absolute provision, never a need ever, today or ever, every need is met, total love and peace and joy and freedom. And I said to the Lord, I want that. And he said to me, Barry, you can live that way now. You don't have to wait to go to heaven. Amen. And I'm so glad that I had that little three-second revelation before I went through what I went through. Because it gave me such an anticipation and such a peace. When they said, you're going to die, I thought, cool. I may not have used that word, but I I was shocked, obviously. But I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid because I'm free from the fear of death. And then the Spirit of God spoke to me within minutes and said, Barry, you will not die from this. You'll live. All right. I was almost there. (laughs) But but I thought, okay, bonus life, bonus life, and I'm going to use whatever I have left to set people free and to keep getting freer myself. And this has just become very, very important to me. It says in Romans 15, 29. Romans 15, 29 says, But I know, Paul says, when I, I know when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. I just, I just found that. That verse just appeared in my Bible just recently. <laughs> they do that. Have you noticed? Okay. Uh, the fullness of the blessing of the gospel. The gospel is to be a blessing to people. Amen. And it's, if Jesus says, I've come to set you free, you should be free. Right. The gospel should be setting you free, not putting you into bondage. And what I see in many, many churches, and I'm, forgive me, I'm not trying to be against the church, but we know there are many traditional religious, legalistic kind of churches where the freedom is the last thing you're going to be getting from there. Amen. You, you start off free, you start off as the squealing kid running through the, the grass, and you, then you end up in a straitjacket in a church where it's do this, don't do this, dress this way, don't do this, don't go here, don't do this, and then the obligations begin to come on. You've got to serve. If you don't serve, you're not really a part of the church, and you've got to come on, let's serve. You've got to be committed. Let's get committed. Everybody be committed, and they just suck the freedom and all the joy right out of you. That's not the fullness of the blessing of the gospel. The God, and I'm not talking about disorder and chaos. We need things, you understand. But when you are obligated, when you're put in the playpen of a church, you start looking outside and saying, I, why can't I be out there? Well, as believers, we should be getting more blessed in here than the world thinks they're getting out there. We should be more free and take our joy and take our freedom out to them because we're not getting restricted in church. We're getting blessed. The fullness of the blessing of the gospel is being released in us. Oh, praise God. And it bothers me. I get letters from Christians all the time and they say, well, in my church, and then they tell me this horror story. You know, in my church, and they tell me all the, the bad stuff. And then in my church, and I get these letters from people all the time. I'm thinking, oh, God. 
what are we doing to people in the name of God? Amen. We're stealing the joy. We're stealing the life. And then we should be getting, we should be the freest, happiest people on the face of the earth. Amen. Amen. So let's, let's look at a few of these. Are you, are you journeying with me here? Are we going to? Okay. So let's start in Isaiah 54, 14. Isaiah 54, 14, it says, In righteousness you shall be established. There's a message I could do right now. 2 Corinthians 5.21 started my freedom journey many, many years ago, 1979, I think. Uh, I was feeling very inferior, very much a failure. I had all kinds of stuff going on. We had come back from the mission field, and I just wasn't, I was repossessing cars for a living. It's right up my alley. And, uh, 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 I know you can't picture it, but it made me the dean of students that I was. So, <laughs> but I wasn't doing well spiritually, and the Lord spoke 2 Corinthians 5.21 to me, Barry, I have made you the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. I knew that theologically, but do you know there's a difference between what you know theologically and what comes alive in your spirit? And so this says, you shall be, a, that started setting me free. That was a beginning, but it's picked up speed lately. Okay. In righteousness, you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. If you have a revelation of righteousness, you should be free from fear. To the degree that you're not free from fear, you don't understand who you are yet. Now, I know that might be hard to hear, but we need to hear it. I need to hear it. It says, and from terror, you, you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. This is a profound declaration here. This is the word of God. This is pre-cross. How much more real should this be with Christ living in us, who has set us free and made us, given us the gift of righteousness? We should be free from fear. And yet, the, probably the number one issue that I, I run into with most Christians is they are afraid of something. Yes. And it can be afraid of politics. It can be afraid of what's going on in the news. It can be afraid of the, the drug problem, the immigration problem, whatever. They just feed themselves on the news and all of this bad stuff. And they aren't getting free from fear. They're getting bound yeah. in fear. And then they go to church and then they get put under some other religious obligations and they just get more bound and more bound and more bound. This isn't what Jesus has for us. Amen. We should be free from fear. You, people ask me, Barry, you, I, I hear what you're saying. It sounds so good, but don't you listen to the news? Amen. No. <laughs> I... Uh, I, I, I'll, I want to be real honest here. I, I look at headlines. That's as far as I go. And I just see, okay, Matthew 24, I get it. Uh, I don't need to feed on that. I don't need to feed on that. Well, Barry, what if this happens and what if that happens? God is my source. Amen. Amen. I am not going to get into fear. And so if you are dealing with fear, and I'm only talking about some aspects of it right now, but... You can discover if there's any fear in your life at all. What casts out fear? Perfect love casts out fear. So we've got to be honest. Folks, you'll never grow in the Lord if you're not honest with yourself and with God. So if I discover fear in my heart, 
I'm, I, okay, perfect love has not found that place yet. I am still deficit in love. If I had a revelation of perfect love, I would not be afraid. If I was established in righteousness, I would not be afraid. If I'm afraid, I'm not free. I've lost some freedom. The walls are starting to close in on my banquet hall room here. If I'm, if I'm afraid, I'm losing freedom. All right, let's go on. Freedom from worry. Worry is a symptom of fear. Some of us may like that word more in the, in the sense that I'm speaking because we don't want to say, well, I'm afraid. We'll just say, I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm concerned. Well, you're saying the same thing. You're just trying to fool yourself. Let's go to Matthew 6, 31, 31 through 33. Jesus says, therefore, do not worry. Okay, let's change it. Don't be concerned. Okay? It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, is that just fluff? Or is that something Jesus said that we can trust? And have you noticed that the more you trust his word, the freer you get? But the more you're worrying or concerned, you're not free. What if such and such happens? What if the economy tanks? What if this happens? What if that's who's your source? That's got to be established now because maybe things will fall apart. I mean, if you've read the Bible, who's your source? Are you still free? Can you run and squeal through the park? even if things fall apart. And this, this, is, this is real stuff I'm talking about. Because as a believer, I don't want to be on the floor moaning and groaning and crying and when things, if the world starts falling apart. I want to be, and you want to be, standing up as a light in the darkness and to say, how can you be so full of joy? How can you have so much freedom and peace? How? The sun has set me free. I am free from being dependent upon the world's economy and the world's news and the world's politics and the world's stuff. I'm free. Now, that's great to say that, but is it true? And that's where I feel like some of us, we need to do a check here. How free am I? Am I enjoying the full fullness of the blessing of the gospel? Amen. Amen. Next one, freedom from doubt and need. Freedom from doubt and need. Philippians 4.19. Paul says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Is that the word of God? Now I understand contextually he's talking about forgivers, people that had given. But this is a church of givers, so this is, you're good, okay? Is God committed to supplying all of your need? Later he says he'll give you the desires of your heart. It doesn't stop at need, but let's just work on this for a minute. Are you free from fear about your needs being met? Do you have faith in God to be a cheerful giver and know that you have no worries? You're free. How many of you can walk down the beach with a smile on your face knowing that every need is met now and forever? That's where we need to be. That's where we need to be. So what if I lose my job? Well... It's funny, I was listening to somebody teach the other day. 
And the, the biggest giver in his church came up and says, I don't like what you're preaching. I don't like the direction you're going. He says, well, you know, you can't tell me what to preach. He says, well, if you don't stop, we're going to leave. And you know that I, I, my, me and my extended family, we're big givers. He says, well, you can't tell me what to preach. And he says, okay, we're out of here. And they left. He and his several adult family members and what have you, they left. They left. As the pastor's watching, looking out the window at the guy getting in his car, he's thinking, Lord, there goes my biggest giver. And the Lord says, no, I'm still here. <laughs> Amen. But see, we've got to see that in our own personal lives, that no matter what happens in the economy, God is your source. But if, you, if that's not a reality, if that's head knowledge, but it's not reality to you, then fear is going to have a chance at you, and then you're not free. And if Jesus came to set me free, I want to be free. I want to be free to trust God no matter what. Praise God. These are lessons that have taken me a while to learn. I'm real honest. I, you know, we, we lived in pretty bad shape and on the mission field. The first five years especially were pretty lean. And I didn't know then what I know now. And I don't know how that, you know, I don't know how I would be now in those situations. But I think I would be more free. I'm pretty sure I've, I've grown since then. And I would, I would have God as my source and not just some limited offerings as my source. Praise God. So freedom from doubt and need. Total trust in God. Total trust in God. We all need to come to that place, my friends, where God is your source. Absolutely, not just theologically, but in reality, God is my source. If God is your source, you can rejoice. If God is your source, you can be happy. If God is your source, you should be free. You should have the joy of the Lord if God is your source. It's when you're not sure God is going to come through, that's when you start losing freedom. Anything that begins to take your freedom, now that you're, you're responsible for this message, okay? <laughs> I'm sharing it. You're hearing it. There's a new level of responsibility here. When you notice that you are starting to lose, freedom. And you'll notice it because your joy will start to deplete. You need to be honest and say, okay, what is going on here? Where am I not trusting God? Where am I not in freedom? What's happening? This is the only way you, you can grow. You can't grow if you keep lying to yourself. We've got to be honest. Okay, I'm losing my freedom in something. Where is it coming from? Next one, freedom from sickness. How many of you like that one? <laughs> Jesus died by his stripes we were healed rose again conquered sin conquered the devil conquered death sat down at the right hand of God and one of the things benefits is that of that is that we don't have to be sick Amen. or if we're sick we get to get well I appreciate that one Amen. Luke 13 12 says but when Jesus saw her the woman curved over bent over for years and years when he saw her he called her to him and said to her woman you are loosed well, what does loose mean? What's the opposite of that? Bound, not free. Sickness is a bondage. Oh, how I know this. Sickness will steal your life. It will steal your vision. It will steal your finances. It will steal anything you'll let it have. Unless you know God is your source and God is your healer and that you are already loosed. Now, you may have to fight for that 
victory, but you have the victory. Do you see the victory? One of the things that kept me going was projecting my future. And I've said this many times. I kept seeing the future. I kept seeing myself teaching and preaching. I saw myself. I'm going to do those live Bible studies. They started that while I was sick during the COVID quarantine. And I thought, that's, that's me. That's, I should be doing this. I kept seeing. I will do this. I will have a big Christmas with my grandkids. I will take my wife to, to, on a vacation. I, everything I've projected, I've done because I didn't let sickness steal my freedom and my future. And by the grace of God, I'm not claiming to be a hero here, but, but by the grace of God, but the grace of God allowed me to, to see things in my heart because I was still free there. I may have been in a hospital bed, but I was still free in my heart. And I, I kept projecting things. Amen. Is this making sense? That Jesus came to set us free. And sickness is bondage. Sickness is captivity. Sickness is life stealing. It steals relationships. It steals everything. We've got to hate this thing. And recognize Jesus came to set us free. And so if I'm losing some of my freedom, and so often we, and I've been through this, folks, where you start to adjust to whatever is, is ailing you. And make allowances for it. Been there, done that. I recognize it, but I think, no, that's stealing my freedom. Well, Barry, you know how old you are. Well, yeah, I know how old I am, but I'm pretty young on the inside still. Amen. Okay, so I was building some furniture for Betty Kay the other day. I, what's the deal with furniture coming in pieces? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> And I, told, I got frustrated in the middle of it. I said, when you build furniture, you always have to do it twice. <laughs> Think it through. Anyway, because I did it wrong the first time. So I take it all apart and redo it. And I was on the floor for quite a while. And it took me a minute to get up. And, I, and uh, she made some remark. I forget what. And I said, these are 70-year-old legs. Okay. And I thought, no, that's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> Uh, what, what am I thinking? But see, we get into these routines of making excuses for things like that. And I, I just want to be through with that in my life. I want to be free. We are, he made us free. By his stripes, we were healed. But so often we tend to adjust. Well, at this age, this happens. And at this age, that happens. And we just need to put up with it. Well, the more you put up with it, the less free you are. Fight for your freedom. Amen. Amen. Next one. Freedom from poverty. Freedom from poverty. Poverty is a horrible, horrible condition that around the world is stealing people's lives. Jesus, or God, is against everything that creates poverty. Think about it. What creates poverty? Sin creates poverty. Well, God is against that. Injustice of governments creates poverty. God is against injustice. Sickness creates poverty. God is against sickness. Laziness creates poverty. Read about the sluggard in Proverbs. God is against the sluggard, against laziness. Ignorance creates poverty. God is against ignorance. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Everything that produces poverty, God is against. And he can't, if you're in poverty... And whether it be spiritual poverty, emotional poverty, mental poverty, physical poverty, relational poverty, or economic poverty, God's against it. Amen. And he came to set us free. 
It says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, and in the Greek that word means rich, okay? Yet for your sakes, he became poor. He left the incredible, unsearchable abundance of heaven to become like us, which is telling us that there's we're poor in our current condition. He became poor that you through his poverty, in the Greek that word means poverty. poverty. There, you all are speaking Greek. Okay. <laughs> that you through his poverty might become rich. Guess what that means in the <laughs> Okay. It's talking about substance. Amen. That's right. Now when I teach this, when I teach on, on prosperity, I begin with the spirit. If you're born again, you've gone from death to life. That's prosperity. You've gone from darkness to light. That's prosperity. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, then you have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, long-suffering. That's prosperity of emotions. People that lose their temper are poverty-stricken. You can be prosperous in your soul, in your emotions. You can be prosperous in your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, which isn't poverty in any sense, but you can be mentally prosperous. You can be physically prosperous. We just talked about health and healing that Jesus paid for. I'm prosperous. Praise God. But then you can be relationally prosperous. Your marriage can be blessed. I have a blessed wife and a blessed marriage. Do you want to get up here and talk about how good I am? <laughs> She's staying seated. Anyway. But she would really go on and on and on. And so, but relationships, my, my relationships with my kids are blessed. My relationships at work are blessed. My prosperity will show in how you relate to people and how they relate to you. That's relational prosperity. Amen. We can then go on to talk about economic resources. Why would God want you to not have anything? He wants his goodness to be shown through you. And so prosperity is having enough to do what God has called you to do with generosity. Amen. We should be able to be cheerful givers. That's prosperity. It's not about how big. There's people with billions of dollars that are poor as they are miserable. Thank you. They're not prosperous. But we can be prosperous, God, and that is freedom. It's freedom to be able to give with a smile. It's freedom to be able to even lend, and if they don't pay you back, it's freedom to be able to forgive and bless them. That's freedom. I want to be free in every sense of the word. Amen. Okay, so free to be prosperous. Number eight. Well, you don't have numbers. <laughs> I have the original manuscripts here. So. Matthew 5, 44. Freedom from bitterness and offense. Now we're getting into the nitty-gritty. We're going to find out how prosperous we are. Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you, Jesus is speaking, love your enemies. Ooh. Bless those who curse you. Why is this verse in the Bible? Because it speaks of freedom. It speaks of freedom. Do good to those who hate you. 
It's not getting better, it's getting worse here. <laughs> and pray for those, I mean, I've got to even use up my prayer time here. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Are you free to love people? Amen. Are you free to forgive them? You say, well, Barry, you just don't know what they did to me. It, God knows everybody. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Are you free? Can you bless people? Can you pray for them? You can't hate people you intercede for. That's such a powerful truth. If you can intercede for someone, you're free. That has done something ugly to you, you're free. Do you still want to be free? Do you want to bless people that say ugly things? Every now and then I get emails from people because I have something of a presence online and YouTube and Karis and what have you. And every now and then there's actually people that don't like me. I know, it's hard to believe. Uh, and it used to really bother me. I would get really offended. You just, you just don't understand what I'm trying to say here. I may have said something on Facebook or on YouTube or something. And I'm thinking, you know, you're just not getting it here. And I would, I would be get into debate mode, which looks like this. Okay, and uh, I would begin to debate, and I got really good at debate. You know, I can, I can debate, and I realized my debating was putting me in bondage. It's not setting me free. I want to be free to be able to hear those slings and arrows, and not care. That's when I know I'm free. People write things, and I say, okay. I know you're not free, but I am, and I'm not going to let you steal my freedom. This is such a cool place to be. If you have anybody against you in life, recognize they're against you because they're not free. Don't get down on that level. You be free. You bless them. You forgive them. You pray for them. That's freedom. And when I began to see this, I thought, oh, this is the place to live. This is the beach. I can be a blessing to people and not let them, not let their, whatever they're going through, steal my freedom. Amen. Amen. Okay? Don't let others' opinions steal your joy. Don't let other people's opinions steal your joy. Everybody has opinions. You have them. Don't use yours to steal someone else's joy. Amen. Let's go on. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from guilt. Hebrews 10.22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This is talking about our approach to God. Can you walk and talk with God right now? Or are you thinking about what you did and said last night? Well, let me give it three days and then I can talk to God. See, that's, you're not free. You're not, he knows what happened last night. You want to be free? You've got to have confidence in the presence of God. That no matter what you did, the blood has taken care of it. Amen? And you need to be free. One of the things that I'm enjoying more than ever now in my walk with God is that I'm actually walking with God. Was that funny? I don't know. <laughs> it's not just theology. Amen. It's not just knowing stuff. Right. It's not just teaching other people, which I love with all my heart. But 
I'm actually doing this. I'm not saying I never did, but it has enhanced since my journey. It has become more real to me. I like to be with God. I like to, to talk to God. I like to hear the word of God. I like to, to get new revelation. And I'm realizing all of these things are just a symptom of being free. I'm free to enjoy God. You're free to enjoy God. You may not know it. You may not have tried it yet, but I would say try it. You'll like it. But God is so good. I, someone reminded me the last time I was here, I taught on the goodness of God. And that's still a, a living message for me. Just how good God is. That has so done more for my faith than studying faith. Having a revelation of God's goodness has done more for my freedom and my enjoyment of life and everything about life uh, than studying the subject of faith. I've decided faith is no longer a subject. Faith is a symptom of my freedom in Christ. Now faith is... There it is. Why? Because I, ha I love God. And I've allowed God to love me and set me free. And to enjoy things as never before. Betty Kay, she's always hearing me. Every, almost every time we get in the car, I say, I am so blessed. And I keep waiting for her to say, I, I know. <laughs> but it's true. I am so thankful to be alive. I'm so thankful to still have time to, to get into what I'm talking about and make it real, not just something I teach, but something I'm living. And I'm, I'm not trying to put myself down of, of before cancer and after cancer, it would be BC and AC. Uh, but things that weren't as real to me BC are very, very real to me now. They mean something to me. Everything means something. Uh, in a good way. I am just blessed. I am so blessed. And, and I'm seeing, when I saw that revelation of heaven, of the beach, and the every need met, and I couldn't decide, what is, what's the foundation here? Is it peace, or is it freedom that I'm seeing here? And I, I'm kind of still on the fence, but I'm thinking maybe freedom brought the peace. <sighs> Free. Free. Everything is, he's my source. Amen. I'm free to appear before the throne of God without guilt. Amen. I'm free from guilt. That's what the, the verse we just read in Hebrews. I don't do guilt. Amen. It's not that I don't recognize mistakes. I make plenty of them. Usually on YouTube. Or <laughs> uh, usually when you're a public speaker, that's where most of your mistakes happen. And then they're preserved forever. <laughs> which uh, kind of bothers me. But, uh, but am I free from that? As I drive home from a meeting room and I'm thinking, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. And they're going to put it on YouTube. I have to deal with that. And then think, no, I've got to be free, even from my mistakes. It's not that I won't go and correct things that need to be corrected, but I'm just saying living with the guilt of having said something dumb, I can't live there. Because that's stealing my freedom. I'm not trying to say dumb things, but sometimes we do. See, I included you there. So, so freedom from guilt, freedom from the past. So many people let their past paralyze them. Oh, if you only knew what I did, if you only knew how many times I've been married, if you only knew I'd been in prison, if you only knew this. God knows, and God loves you anyway. But you are, you're having trouble loving yourself. 
Freedom from the past, Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Here's a guy that had a past. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, Paul. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, Paul had a past. Paul had a past that involved leading people to prison and having them killed for their faith. He had a past. But he says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. I was thinking, what would it be like to say, I have this guy I want to come preach in our church. Uh, he used to kill Christians, but he's okay now. Okay. I'm thinking, huh. Okay. I don't know if I'm ready for him yet. But Paul was free from his past. He was free from his past. You need to be free. If your past is still weighing on you, you're not free. How valuable is freedom to you? If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I think he included everything, including your past. That the only way we can be a genuine expression of the love of God to the people of the world that need to see this is if we are free. Anything less than our full freedom, we are not giving a full perspective of how God is. We're giving a limited, straitjacket impression because we're not free. Amen. We need to get out of the straitjacket. You need to be free from your past. Amen. God already knows about it, every detail of it. Probably some that you've forgotten. But he's washed it away. Amen. Amen. Freedom to love, to give, to forgive. Here's where freedom really begins to take over, when it's really real for you. You're free to bless people. You're free to love the unlovely. You're free to forgive. You're free to be, you don't have bitterness. You recognize the people that are around you are needy and hurting, and they're not free, but you are, and you can bless them. You can lift them up. The people that Jesus ministered to, were they perfect? They were a mess. It says in Matthew 14, 14, he had compassion on the multitudes. And healed their sick. He didn't say, he doesn't say he saw how good they were and how much they had tried. So he broke down and healed some of them. No, he had compassion on them. When you're free, you're free to have compassion. You're free to love. You're free to understand that people are hurting. And you're free to be the head and not the tail. You don't have to get down with that, with that level and fight and get bitter and get offended and yell. You don't have to live on that level. You are free. When you're free, you're the giver. You're the blesser. You're the lifter-upper, if I can make up some words here. <laughs> Amen? You can be the blesser. Why? Because you're free. And if somebody does you wrong or somebody takes something or whatever, you're free. There is such a friend. <laughs> this makes no sense. There is such a freedom in being free. <laughs> Amen? But I'm, but I'm serious. This has become my goal. And I've made a, a lot of progress until yesterday. <laughs> when I was taking Betty Kay out to eat, and we were at a light, and the person in front of me has never heard of right turn on red. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I was... I was giving verbal encouragement. <laughs> and then I remembered my own teachings that the best way to learn the fruit of the Spirit is when you drive. And so I thought, no, I have self-control. 
I quit beating my head on the steering wheel. And, uh, I can do this. And so they, they missed many opportunities to bless me. <laughs> uh, but when the light turned green, they finally turned. And I thought, God bless you. Have a good day. <laughs> but I'm still getting free. Amen. But this, this is what it is. That people that cut you off in traffic, if you're free, God bless you. You can live this way. You don't have to be upset, angry, ugly all the time. You can be free, free to love, free to give, free to forgive. John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. You know what steals the freedom of so many? Is that they criticize. I was, I told the first group back in, uh, when I was 24, 25 years old, I was omniscient. I knew all things. <laughs> and I had the gift of criticism. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was working. I knew all things and I could criticize, but I realized now that's not freedom, that's bondage where you can't enjoy anything. You have to have a comment and opinion about everything. You have to criticize everything. Some people miss the presence of God when they go to church because all they're doing is criticizing the music, criticizing the carpet, criticizing the chairs, criticizing this, criticizing that, and God is there to, to heal them, and they're so busy criticizing, they miss the presence of God. They're not free. We all have a, uh, what I call a joymometer, full the joy of the Lord is your strength. In his presence is fullness of joy. Start criticizing. Start accusing. Start complaining. Start groaning. You have no joy. If you have no joy, you're not free. These are easy tests to take, put on yourself. Do I have the joy of the Lord? Why not? I'm not free. I want to be free. Who have I been criticizing? What have I been accusing? What are my stupid opinions I've been making sure everybody knows? I'm losing my freedom. Amen. I know I'm, I'm already over time a little bit here, but give me a couple more verses, can you? Okay, I, forgive me. I've, I'm more eloquent this hour. Than, than I, so, uh, it happens. Anyway, you've got to protect your freedom. We've got to protect our freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Now, I know this is talking about the legalism of the law, but it can apply in any way that the freedom that Christ died to give you, you've got to stand fast. We have got to hold on to this. We've got to recognize if I'm bitter, if I'm unforgiving, if I'm not happy, if I'm not joyful, then someone, the enemy is coming to steal, kill, and destroy and something of my freedom has been lost. I want to stand fast in the freedom that Christ has given me on every level, spirit, soul, and body, relationally. I want to be free, but I have to fight for that freedom. There is an enemy that wants to take it. There are people that want to take it. People don't like you when you're free. People that are hurting don't like free people. Recognize they're hurting. You're not. You can bless them. You just, you just got free. The minute you bless people and give to them and lift them up, you're free. 
You're demonstrating your freedom. So protect your freedom. Last thing I want to mention. You have freedom to enjoy God. Psalm 1611. Walking with God should be absolutely the pinnacle of our life. Go back to the Garden of Eden. He wanted to walk and talk with Adam and Eve. And that's what he wants to do now. You can walk and talk with God. Freedom to enjoy God. Uh, Psalm 16, you will show me the path of life. I did a study on paths last year. Paths are all through the Old Testament. I thought, this is interesting. I'm starting to see this word pop up everywhere. And I realized they didn't have I-25 and 24 and 67, and they didn't have road numbers and names. They had paths, and there were paths that led to certain places. And so the paths are used as imagery in the Old Testament, the path of life, the path of the righteous, the path of the wicked, the path that leads to hell. There's all kinds of paths mentioned throughout the Old Testament. And so this says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. If you're walking with him, well, he lives in us. There should be some evidence of joy, of freedom, of peace. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Is that indicative of our lives? Are we experiencing the pleasures, the blessings that he will give you the desires of your heart? Is he a pressed down, shaken together, running over God for you? Is he doing exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or think? If that's not true, then we're missing some freedom somewhere. And my, my charge to you today is to perhaps take an inventory. Where am I not free? Where am I not free? How much do I want to be free? And I'm, am I willing to walk in this freedom that he's purchased for me with his blood? Am I willing to actually walk in this and be a blessing to people and not be a critic and not be cranky, not be stingy? I'm going to be free. Amen. Amen. Can I pray for you? If you'd stand. Hallelujah. God is good. Anybody ready to run around the room and squeal? Praise God. We are free. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. Praise God. Father, we praise you for the freedom that you have given us in Christ. And perhaps after hearing this word, we can identify areas that we have not found freedom yet. We're still in bondage. Lord, I pray every heart listening right now would choose to pursue freedom in every area of of their life. Freedom mentally, freedom emotionally, freedom how we relate to people, freedom in our spirit to enjoy you, freedom from sickness, freedom from poverty, freedom from guilt, freedom from the past. Father, we want what you paid for. And so, Lord, I just speak this word of freedom for my brothers and sisters, that we aren't just going to hear a word and say, well, that was good but that we are going to pursue that which costs so much, the freedom that if the Son shall make us free, we are free indeed, and we are free to be a blessing, and we're free to 
manifest the goodness of God in a world that so badly needs it. Thank you, Father. We give you the praise and the glory, the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. Good church. Any free people in the house today? Yeah! Let's see what that freedom. I hear God saying, you're here saying, I want that freedom that Barry talked about, but I just don't know. Abba says, do you believe my word? Do you truly believe I love you? Abba will meet you right where you're at. All you need to do is take that step of faith, and he's right there. So if you're here today, and that's you, and you're like, I just don't know, raise your hand. I just want to pray over you that you'll have that confidence. You'll have that trust because he is a good God. Yes, I see your hands. Amen. So, Abba, I just thank you right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. You know each and every hand that's raised here. And, Lord, I just pray that you meet them right where they're at. You hear their hearts cry, Abba. It's breaking inside. I pray that the hand of God would rest upon them, that they would feel your peace that surpasses all understanding, and that a joy would begin to well up from the inside. And no longer would they care what man thinks, no longer would they care what others think, but they would know that their Abba loves them, and that's all that matters. My daddy loves me. In Jesus' name, amen. feel like there's people in the church that are struggling with sickness or infirmity and the Lord is our father and he wants you to know he is a good father he does not put those infirmities on you but like a good father he will use that teachable moment in your life to teach you something but he wants you to stand on his word he wants you to speak it over to yourself he wants you to believe him because he is our healer And he loves us, he sees you, and he has compassion on you, and he will heal you. So if you have any um, sickness or infirmity, um, please put your hand on yourself or on that infirmity, and I want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, we come to you in your name. You tell us that you are our healer, and I am praying for each and every one of the people here in this congregation, the people listening online, that they are healed in your name. At the cross, you saved us and you healed us. We have that that is ours, that is our inheritance, and and we are healed in your name right now. Feel that, move that. You are healed in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Lord spoke to me about how sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that believing God and having faith is a burden on our part. And it takes away all the fun that it is to get to believe God for his best because that's something that the world doesn't even have the option to do. They have to just accept what they have. But God wants to show us the fun and the joy and the freedom that there is to get to believe him for better.